Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Hey everybody, welcome to a very special edition of Knowles 24-7's On the Bench. Going to start a little interview series here, and we're starting off hot for you. My guest today, host of The Late Kick, national college football analyst, and one of us, one of us, an actual real deal college football junkie, a man of the people, Mr. Josh Pate. Josh, I am very excited to talk to you today, my friend. How you doing? Oh, no, I appreciate it. Look, if, if people don't believe I'm one of you, I, I have hot sauce. I don't even have water. I just have hot <laughs> sauce off to the side. So that's what I'll sit periodically during this interview. He is. He's already taken a big swig. He is just amped up on, uh, what, what do we do, Tabasco or Louisiana? Uh, this was actually sent by a viewer who owns his own Tabasco company, and I don't think they've bought an advertisement on your pod yet. So No, 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 no. No free sauce. My man's just yeah. chugging bootleg sauce. Well, it's it's very interesting, Josh, and I'll tell you what, I'm actually a really big fan of what you do. I try to I try to stay away from a lot of national commentary a lot because I, it's hard to be a national analyst. You have to know a little about a ton of teams. Unfortunately, in the kind of the media society we're in, hot takes or what sell. You're, I think you're the exact opposite. You're very knowledgeable both on the football operation side, what's going on on the field, also in recruiting. And I really feel that you do a lot of nuanced, reasoned analysis. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to talk to you about Florida State from a national perspective. It's really easy uh, when you're when you're talking about the team to get caught up in the tactical, the minutia of like every day. I want to focus with you because you have the best eyes for it on how Florida State is looking from a national perspective. So I guess just to, to start off, what is the current national perspective of Florida State football in your opinion? I think it's a little anonymous. You know, I think people have a feel for what they think about Miami because Cristobal is more a national name than Mike Norvell maybe. Um, I think to a certain degree you could say the same about Florida. I think Florida's got a little anonymity right now because I don't think a ton of national people could tell you anything about Billy Napier. Now, if you follow the sport hardcore, you could, but most national folks, as you said, do not do that. So I think Florida State's the same way. Like people, So people identify Mike Norvell as that dude who had that really good offense at Memphis that that's mm-hmm. several years ago now. And he's come in the door down there. And I think a lot of people were reasonably willing to give him sort of a mulligan because he came in in the, the untenable circumstances of trying to build a program when you couldn't get on the road and recruit during COVID and whatnot. So that like that's the baseline of what people think. So there's not this sky-high set of expectations. There's a little bit of a, a mulligan mentality built in. And therefore, I don't think a lot of people nationally are applying a lot of pressure to him. But I also don't think there are sky high expectations. If you don't go immediately, boom, like if you don't take off in a new program, this day and age, people just kind of write you off. Steve Sarkeesian's been at Texas one year. A lot of folks are willing to write him off at this point. But that's the way it works now. Brian Kelly, if he does not work out at LSU year one, will feel the same thing. I think Norvell is somewhere in a, like a healthy balance of those names that I just mentioned. I just don't think he's got as high profile a name. 
So he kind of ironically escapes some of the heat that a lot of those other guys receive. Yeah, I think I think anonymous is a, is a very interesting choice of words and something that I agree with. It was a potential issue when he was actually hired. Like, hey, this is a good this is a good solid hire for a program that needs stability. A lot of people were worried though. It's not a splash hire. It's not. I'm going to Voldemort. I usually like to Voldemort. Bob Stoops, he who shall not be named. That was just a whole circus. But the concern was like, are kids from Florida going to know who Mike Norvell is? Are kids from the Southeast? Unfortunately, like you said, it's very comparable to the Billy Napier situation. Unfortunately, Mike Norvell's in year three. Billy's in year one. You would have hoped that he would have got accumulated a little bit more cachet. But I agree with you, Josh. I think so as well. Now, what were your thoughts when Mike, when Florida State initially made the Mike Norvell hire? Good, bad, or was he actually truly anonymous to like a national guy like you? No, he wasn't anonymous, but I mean, I, it's because I watch all college football. To a lot of national folks, I think he was kind of anonymous. They could have told you who he was. They could have told you what Wikipedia could tell you at a glance, basically. Right. About it. But if you dive beneath the surface, no. There was, there was not a lot of industry knowledge about Mike Norvell. What I thought was two things, and it's always a twofold thing. When you elevate from the G5 level to the Power 5 level, Napier is about to be the same way. I think I totally trust his evaluation, uh, development, uh, scheme-wise. There's nothing about a grease board X's and O's that I would ever question, nor would I be qualified to question about that guy. But then when you enter a different world, when you enter a world where you're no longer recruiting the backup options of the big boys, you're having to recruit against the big boys, then all of a sudden, stuff that used to not matter does matter. It didn't matter how much his name moved the needle nationally at Memphis. It does matter at Florida State. It matters even more when someone like Mario walks in in Coral Gables. And so I thought at the time, even though you didn't have that at Miami, one day if they ever get that right there, one day if Dan Mullen moves along and someone who actually understands how to speak the language of recruiting ever arrives in Gainesville, you're going to need to match that at Florida State. And even if both those programs are terrible, if you want to compete at the national level, who are you going against? You're going against Clemson. You're going against Georgia. You're going against Bama, LSU. So you're going to have to win recruiting battles against those programs. Are you going to do it with a name as relatively nationally anonymous as Mike Norvell? Those are my two trains of thought. I think most of the time when you hire a guy, if you've done any due diligence, he knows football. I mean, with very, very few exceptions to the rule, if you elevate to this level, you're, you're not a football idiot, but it takes more than that when you get to the highest rungs of the ladder to compete at the highest level. I think Auburn's dealing with this now. You know, Auburn's got a guy in Brian Harson who you don't question him football-wise. The guy's proven himself time and time again at Boise, but all of a sudden you come into the SEC West and you think that, well, we'll just, we'll just out-scheme them. We'll out-develop them. You won't because eventually you're going to face programs who – also scheme well, and they develop well, but they recruit way better than you. So that's a losing proposition. Yeah, d despite some of the interviews from people like Dabo Swinney and things like that, these are all very competent coaches. So it really is at the highest levels of college football. I'm with you, Josh. It's a talent acquisition business, and I, I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. Have there been some things during Mark Norvell's three years, which as I think you've already acknowledged, about as turbulent as it could get from – from a worldwide pandemic, an unprecedented swooping of Travis Hunter on National Signing Day. Um, that one still gives everybody PTSD. Have there been some things that surprised you, either good or bad, during Mike Norvell's time in Tallahassee? Things that he's done that, you know, you didn't expect or things that have happened under his watch that have also caught you off guard that you thought shouldn't have happened? 
in the in the micro sense, I think back to that opener. I think it was last year against Notre Dame, and yeah. I remember watching the first couple series, and FSU looked totally outmanned. They just looked outclassed physically. And I remember thinking to myself, if I were live betting this game, I'd just dump in on Notre Dame. I think they're about mm-hmm. to run them out of the building. And it ends, it ends up going to overtime. And sometimes, like, I know the sports writer out there wants to watch that, and they want to romanticize it and say, this is just an indicator of things to come. Well, it wasn't. That's not how the real world works. <laughs> yeah. yep. But at the same time, I remember that surprising me in the moment. Uh, but then on the more macro level, I just think it's it's kind of interesting to watch if you if you did a blind resume deal. So you took away that Seminole logo, you took away the garnet and gold, and you just looked at results. You could see incremental improvements in several different compartments with this team. When with the program, not just the team, but the program. Mm. The thing about it is there are no compartments where there's just this leaps and bounds improvement, but there is improvement, which brings forth that great question: like, how do you gauge and measure success? Do you like if it, to take these preview magazines, do you, do you take these preview magazines and if you don't match their expectation for you, are you a failure or do you say mm, maybe a preview magazine or maybe even a, a Vegas over under win total is not the most proper measurement tool which to gauge our progress? Because if we are making progress, should we really hit the emergency break on that? And I'm not talking hot seat or anything. I'm just saying when fans get a little unsettled about things because you're not you're not on as fast a track as you want to be. That's kind of the conversation you have to have with yourself. But I, I think what has surprised me the most is if you were to listen to the fringe 10 or 15% in any fan base. So let's go to FSU. Oh, they God, why? You, why are you we know, doing that? We'll turn them <laughs> we got to move on. They say, we're going to get left in the dust. If you were to listen to that, but then you were to look at the blind resume, you wouldn't even know that those people were watching that program because you would see a little bit of improvement across the board. And those people would be ready to throw babies off of tall buildings. God and we we and on the bench we are a non we we do not we do not support throwing of babies off any tall structures. Right. We're pro now, baby. We are always always yes. here always will be now then and forever. Now Josh the thing I think it's good because a lot of people this is such a crossroads year and I'm going to get to your own comments here in a second because you said it on an episode of your fantastic show the late kick with Josh Pate check it mm. out on the YouTube sponsored by Academy Sports congratulations. Um, I, you, you talked about programs that are crossroads, and as far as like objective numbers, I agree with you. It's it depending on which magazine you read, a win total here, a win total there. That's not that's not the story of a season. To me, I feel like Mike Norvell needs to have as much success as he needs to sell that on the recruiting trail. So if Mike Norvell is a better recruiter than we think, maybe it only takes seven. If he's if he's struggling to kind of recapture some lost momentum, maybe Mike Norvell needs to win eight. Because that's really going to be the jump start that, that gets everything going. He needs to get some stability. He needs to make some changes to the coaching staff, which I think we'll talk about here in a little bit. But I'm with you, Josh. It, it's tough when you're dealing with strictly objective measures. It's, it's what Mike Norvell needs to sell to the outside world to qualify as a successful program and coach. Now, you did mention on the late kick with Josh Bate, copyright registered trademark, um, that Florida State is like one of, I think it was about five schools that were at a crossroads right now. Why do you think that, and what do you think specifically Florida State needs to do for Mike Norvell to solidify the program and his position as a head coach from a national perspective? Yeah, so we did that segment, and there were, you know, there were kind of different ways to define crossroads. Like I put Clemson in the same category. We're Interesting. Clearly, okay. Yeah, but we're clearly not talking about crossroads with Clemson 
in the case of you better win this year or you're fired. Like this is not a, a Herman Boone, remember the Titans situation. It's a situation <laughs> where maybe there is what has been the identity of your program and you lost a lot of that. And you're also taking a strong stance up there about things like the portal and NIL. So it's a crossroads in the sense that here's where you have been. Here's the new way of college football. You're choosing your path. Let's see how it works out. At Florida State, it's kind of a little bit different. It's kind of what you just said because you just talked about how it's it's probably a little bit more important for Mike Norvell to win just to take it out and sell on the trail as it is to look good as a notch in the win column. Both are important. But when you don't come in with that name, when you're not Nick Saban coming to Alabama, for example, when you're not an already established name, you don't have as much to sell. Say It doesn't matter that Saban barely made a bowl game in his first year at Bama. He was always going to recruit well because he was already known. Mike Norvell's not known. So if you go to if you go to Ocala or you go all the way down to Fort Lauderdale or you go over to near Tampa, places that in some cases FSU hasn't recruited as well over the past decade or so, you've got to matter when you walk into the high schools. And there's really only one way for kids to think that about you if they don't already. You got to win. You don't have to win 11 games, but you have to. Here's where I like to be if I'm a Florida State fan. OK, I want to be in that area. And this is kind of the crossroads. Can you can you take Florida State football? into kids' living rooms in this cycle and the upcoming cycle and show them a product already that indicates to them we are this close. We are players like your caliber close to getting over the hump. You can't do that if you're four and eight. But if you're sitting there seven and five, eight and four, you could walk into any kind of four-star, five-star living room and convince that kid you would be the difference in us being eight and four and us being a 10 and two, 11 and one contender. That's where you have to be. You have to be able to sell promise. you got to kind of sell a vision because it's, by the very definition, something that those kids have not seen Florida State do yet. Right. It's the missing, like, you are the missing piece, player right. X. You are the missing piece, player Y. And right now we're, we're, a couple, we're, we're a couple Lego toy sets away the past couple years from the missing piece to, like, conference title contention. So I think that's interesting. Now, and, and I agree with you, too. And what, what do you think? Is that, like, a 7-8 win season? Like, is, are there any, do you have any, like, things that you're looking for as you analyze Florida State nationally? Where you say, okay, here we go. This thing's starting to move again. Yeah, I don't, I don't look at the win loss total as long as it's seven or better. Sure, I'm not looking at the win loss total as much as I'm looking at margins in those games. Mm, if, you're, if you're like to me, and this is just me talking, if you're trying to sell Florida State, I would almost rather be seven and five with five one possession losses than eight and four with four three plus touchdown blowouts, especially if they are to my bigger rivals. Like I have no, I have no interest in being eight and four, but trying to sell a kid on my program when I just got thumped into a coma by Miami and Florida, or maybe both of them. So I would, I would rather have those small margins. Well, even at seven and five, if I'm barely losing, if I'm like Nebraska last year, nine times, if I can take that out there and say, look how close we are. Like what would a different dynamic playmaker like you returning kicks, out on the perimeter, touching the ball eight to 12 times a game, what difference would that have made in this schedule? I'll tell you, we'd be a 10-win team minimum with you. Can't ever prove that, but I have that working for me because no one can disprove it either. So I'd love to take that out there. There's a lot of – college football coaches are renowned for saying a lot of things that they can't concretely, like, prove. So I'm with wait, you. Wait, wait, what? Do you, do you have evidence of that? Do you have some examples of that? I've never heard that before. I, I know. Listen, revelations all over on the bench here, Josh. You're just going right. to have to take my word for it. That or sliced breads. Now, you mentioned recruiting. And, Josh, I don't know if this was by happenstance or if this was just serendipity or whatever. But uh, 
you've been starting something on Twitter where you have been comparing college football team recruiting to professional wrestling. Well, as an avid supporter of the sport of Kings myself, two cultured gentlemen, could you, could, could you just describe FSU recruiting maybe as analogous to like a pro wrestler doppelganger? Hmm. I think that if we went with the original Kane, fully masked. Ooh, the fully, whole body suit, the whole yes, leather suit. Yes. See, here's the thing about Kane. That's got to be, that's got to be. We knew about him already. We oh, knew God, this. fire and brimstone, yeah. it's Kane. Don't worry, Jesse. Uh, oh, God, sorry. <laughs> another fan of the Sport of Kings is over here. So think about Kane, though. We knew the story. Thought he was dead, but we knew the story. We knew he had done some incredible things in his childhood, just like Florida State. Then he all of a sudden reemerges in St. Louis at No Way Out 97, if people are keeping track, so or Bad Blood 97. So he, he rips the door off the hinges, comes in, you know, like a ball of fire, literally. But we don't know anything about him because he's covered <laughs> head to toe. Florida State, I know their potential. They look seven foot tall. That logo means a lot to me still as a child of the 90s, but I can't see him. I don't know what Mike Norvell is going to be. I don't know what this program is going to be. I don't know what those classes are going to be. You know why? Because they're masked still. The day that Florida State finally rips the mask off, it, I was not a fan of that when Kane did it. But when Florida State does it, I will be a big fan. They're Kane right now. They're like 97, 98 Kane. I agree. Uh, that's a really good reference. He did rip the door off. I did get to do a Jim Ross reference, which is just my heart's full. And I think that's good. Are we going to stay latex body suited? With the little voice box forever, or do we finally get to real just rip that off with that fake hair and reveal that pretty face that's now the mayor of Knox County? I hope it's the latter, Josh. Um, one thing I did want to talk to you before we kind of wrap it up and just just see where we, you know, where Florida State goes from here. What's your thoughts on all like? There's a lot of conference realignment talk. There are absolutely ridiculous rumors from weird, like, swim fan news Twitter accounts. That's We're the in way it works, season. isn't it? It's always the way it, it's never a nationally renowned voice. It's always someone, and, and it's never 400 followers. It's always about 3,500 or 4,000 followers, uh, and it's that's where the breaking news allegedly is coming from. Continue, sir. Right in my strike zone. Maybe I need to get, maybe I just need to change my name to Breaststroke Boy, like, 420. Yeah. And start talking about uh, start talking about Clemson to the Pac-12 or something. I'm going to think about that. Um, what, what's your thoughts on it? I feel like from listening to you, I feel like you're a college football, I don't know if purist or traditionalist or is no, the right, that's right word. That's very okay. much right. And I, that's after my own heart. I am, and I'm like mid-90s, like purist traditionalist. I didn't, I didn't like when the, fo- when the playoff was instituted at all. I'm an old man yelling at a cloud. I thought college football was special because it had the best regular season with a bullet every single game meant something because a loss could derail your entire season i like the regionality i like the pageantry so as a kindred spirit which i'm not surprised to drop in drop in kane's first appearance reference <laughs> solid stuff um what do you think about everything that's going on right now it, it, is it are we going down a path where in 10 15 years we're going to wish we hadn't started well, yeah. I mean, we, we'll wish it. I already wish it now. I'm like you. You know, oh, I, yeah. someone told me, someone someone gave me this quote a couple of days ago, and I had to pause about five or ten seconds, but I agreed with them. They said, you know, because I was asking, what are the biggest myths in college football? And someone responded with, the biggest myth is convincing fans they deserve to see a champion play out on the field. And and what they're talking about is that mid '90s era where 
the AP is going to name a champion and the coaches are going to name a champion. And you know what? If they're different, so what? Who cares? This is pre-BCS. It's just oh. you got your regular season. You got your bowl structure. And that was it. You don't have to look like the NFL. That's a bygone era, children. Our college listeners, don't even worry about it. No button. <laughs> Dust off a, a book and read it. <laughs> read yeah. it in a book. That's where you're going to have to find it. But I, I, as for as for the next moves, when I tell you there is no there is no tangible guidance to be had on this. There really isn't. The, yeah, the people who know are so tight lipped that when OU in Texas made the move, the big 12 commissioner was on a plane. He had no clue when USC and UCLA were announced to make their move. The, the PAC 12 commissioner was on vacation. He had no clue. And for that matter, the big 10 commissioner was in the Cayman. So I don't know how involved he is at this point. So I don't know, like I, to, to me, you know, my simple mind thinks Florida state's a great fit in the sec, but at the same time, Simple minds are apparently not welcome at this conversation in this table. Hi, I'm just meat and potatoes, dude. Give me – just give me a game where – a lot of the, the best games in college football history, in my opinion, think about like a random game, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, what was that, 2011, 2012? It's always the regular season. Right. Every time you come to mind, exactly. it's always regular season. The, uh, the Pitt-West Virginia game when like West yep. – that weird season where they were – but you think about – the regular season games are the ones, and you can think about with Florida State's history, the choke at Doke, just all those other ones, the block at Hard Rock. When you talk about college football, it's largely a function of how good the regular season is, and I think diluting it further is, like I said, I think it's a mistake, but I'm a dinosaur. How, how big do you think this playoff is eventually going to get, and how long is it going to take? Uh, it's probably like two months to play. Um, uh, to, go back to, to go back to your point you were making there, though, now, it may be different for you guys locally, but nationally, like if I'm not a Florida State fan, but I've watched Florida State football, if you ask me my biggest memories of FSU, the 2013, like Kelvin Benjamin catching the end zone to win a national title, that's not even my first memory. And that's a national title game. Game-winning play. So that's, that's wild. I just realized that. That's not even the first thing that comes to my mind. A lot of those games against Miami come to mind way before an actual postseason national championship thing. But to answer your question about the playoff, I think probably 12, I guess, is going to be the size. But at this point, also, are we going away from the auto-bid conference structure? We just go into a bunch of at-larges, which is the way I think any playoffs should be anyway. But I, I don't I don't know what it's going to look like. And I don't I don't spend a whole lot of time worrying about it. I just like the regular season and whatever, whatever you want to give me afterwards, I'll take it, whatever. I'm with you. Like, I'll complain and I'll analyze because that's my job to do way worse analysis than you. But, dude, I'll eat it up. I'm a captive audience, man. I'm paying five bucks at the pump because i got to drive my car. I'm not going anywhere, <laughs> man. Um, what is he talking about favorite memories of FSU? Just ramble off some, Josh. I mean, you're a Georgia boy, right? Yeah. So you're close yeah. by. Do you like to – do you reveal your personal team affiliation or do you try to keep that out so you can't be accused of bias? No, well, it's convenient for me that I grew up a very – weird dude like i grew up liking <laughs> the sport i i was like rob Lowe. i'm, I'm wearing with the shield you wear yeah. the nfl hat you're the cfb hat guy i'm wearing the cfb hat like i'm a total unicorn so when i think <laughs> about fsu i just think about all the miami games that's what i think about because i'm i'm growing up in the 90s too so to me i grew up in in columbus georgia which is kind of near auburn it's like 45 minutes away from auburn it's in a different mm. state though so i i was taught about iron bowl and then I didn't have to be taught about FSU Miami because that was just one of the biggest rivalry games in the country when I'm coming up. 
So like I'm watching those games, those are the ones that come to mind to me. You can pick several of them, but those are the ones that are coming to mind for me. And I also think about, you know, how much grainier the footage looks in your oh, mind. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. you, you've only watched those games on VHS. And if you watch them, even on like ESPN Classic or whatever, it's had to be reformatted and refitted for the screen. Oh, it's great. Bad video quality can be a great thing sometimes. Add some tracking lines from like the VHS. Yeah. Like, there you like, go, dude. Like, welcome, welcome to Dope Camel Stadium. We bring to you the Zapruder film. I love it. <laughs> Broken down from every yeah. angle. I'm with you. Now, listen, unfortunately, Florida State's couple past seasons have looked like a Zapruder film, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. I'm with you, Josh. We're purists. We'll start our own deal. I'm with you, dude. I'm all. I'm on the wagon. Now, before, before we go, we've kind of talked about if Florida State is at a crossroads. They are in a little bit of a hole, at least from we truly have. It, it's on a razor's edge. We have no idea where Mike Norvell and the program, what direction they head. If you had to bet, because obviously it all hinges upon the season, but it is the off season. We can do a little prognosticating. At this point, do you, if you had to bet money on it, would you expect Mark Norvell to be able to coach and win enough games to get out of this hole he's in where he's the head football coach at Florida State two years from now, based on current circumstances? Yeah, I do. Uh, and okay. part of that, part of what's baked into that answer so quickly is I think the power people behind the scenes there know the score uh, figuratively. I think they get it. They understand what they had on their hands. They understand what he, Mike Norvell, inherited and how inopportune a moment that was to Ugh. make a move. So I think because they get it, short of a cataclysmic failure this year or next year, I guess we're talking two years down the road, I think he'll be given time because I don't I, I think he's um to me, he's kind of disaster proof the program, if that makes any sense. I don't Fortified know how high, it. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. I don't know how high you're going to build it, but I don't think it, I don't think the basement's going to flood. So I think he's going to be there. Yeah. Nice. Single family ranch, solid foundation. Hopefully yeah. we, can, we can add a couple layers and do some additions here in the in the future. Well, Josh, I have nothing for you. I have nothing else. I really, really appreciate your time before. And you guys really should like Josh and I are. God, I feel sorry for you now for this association. We're kind of part of the same team a little bit. Yeah. I would say I recommend his work absolutely of the highest caliber. But, Josh, is there anything you want, any message to Florida State fans? Pick-me-ups. You want to talk about pro wrestling some more? Just give – what's your <laughs> message to Florida – because I can do that all day, my friend. Talk, what's your message to Florida State fans as you go before you plug your absolutely phenomenal, wonderful, tier one company-sponsored work? Yeah, yeah. So before I tell you that you can find the Late Kick on the Late Kick YouTube channel or any podcast feed, just search the Late Kick with Josh Pate. Before I tell you that, I will say Florida Florida State fans should know this. I think you know this about yourselves, but you should know to go back to a wrestling analogy. One of my one of my favorite matches that's always terrible to execute is the Buried Alive match, and I really God, think back to that yes. just that classic view of Undertaker. He's he's under a mound of dirt, which is where Florida State football has been for a little while. Let me tell you, the most terrifying scene to the rest of college football would be the moment that hand comes up from the grave. If it ever does, if that little garnet and gold glove comes up from the grave and people realize that they're alive, they're alive. My that God, would a, that would be a bad time for the rest of college football. So that's what I want to tell you. When you watch games this fall. Just look for the hand to come up from the grave. That's what we're waiting for. Josh, and if there's one certainty in life, it's death taxes and Undertaker's hand always comes out of that goddamn dirt, my friend. Josh, you are the best. Late kick Josh. Check out all of his stuff, the YouTube, Twitter, 
just fantastic work. Nobody's doing it better from a national scene. It was a pleasure to speak with you. I hope this won't be our last conversation. I really enjoyed myself. No, I doubt it will be. I, I enjoyed myself. I appreciate you guys having me. All right, you're a good man. Now, apologize to all those. Josh is recording from an office with low cubes, so he had to hear all those terrible Jim Ross impressions. So we're gonna, apologize we're gonna to them, them. Yeah, and I will talk to you later. Fine. Yeah, you'll have well, a good listen, listen, guys, that was an episode of On the Bench. My heart is warmed. My soul is ablaze like the ring post when Kane is throwing down those arms. Listen, the landing is stuck. Tell everybody about On the Bench. This is not going to be our first or our last of our interview series. Josh Pate rules, but you guys already knew that. I love you. Continue to chop on. And uh, go Noles, by God. I told you imaginary friends are real. This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski.